Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Dallas, a four-part series on biases. So um, explain to <laughs> myself and the listeners Thanks. Thanks what Michael. a bias is. This is my, uh, as you well know, this is one of my uh, real interests is human beings, we're, we're funny creatures and we, we, do, we do strange things and if you really sit back and look across the breadth of the human experience, you can see that there's some consistency around the mistakes we make. And that's what we you know, talk about as a bias is, is a, a tendency towards uh, making a certain decision. And obviously where we're talking about these is, is where they lead us astray. It, it's fine to have a bias that leads you towards something that is going to be a good decision. Um, I guess... Often when we're talking about these psychological biases, the, there's a reason why why we do each of these things. And it's obviously, uh, you know, I won't get into the whole you know, background of the evolutionary process where we've evolved on the savannas of Africa and we've, you know, are used to you know, hunting and getting chased by lions and all these sorts of things. And we're now sort of plonked down as modern human beings in our modern world trying to make decisions about retirement planning, which is, mm. it's sort of bizarre when you think about it that way, but... A lot of these things, as we go through them, they go, our brains are not wired really to make decisions about money or to, mm. to, make, um, to make the right choice when it comes to money. And we've talked about this before at length, just having a coffee, that human beings, we're, we're really not, we're not equipped for, for, the, for the world that we're in where we've got to think of the future and we've got to trade off this versus that. Whereas 10,000 years ago, it was very simple. It was, you, know, you, you saw food and you went towards it or you, mm. you saw a scary animal and you went away from it and that's it. Whereas mm. now we've got all this, this such a complex world that um, we have to make decisions taking all these different things into account and then by its nature it's so complex that we can't get it right and so we then if we make a wrong decision, how do we fix it? You know, we have to take in information from other people and other sources but we have to make sure that we've got the right information and... And all these sorts of things where uh, each of these biases, all, and I've broken them down into four different sections, and there's really, these are the common uh, mistakes that we, that we see people make and, and the common ways that people get sort of derailed in their, in their personal finances. And so I think if we, if we look at it through the lens of these are common mistakes that people make, and so because of that, we're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to not be human. We're not trying to not, uh, feel the emotions around some of these things. It's just being able to take a step back and go, why do I want to make decisions in this way? Or why do I want to do these things? And and is that really appropriate for me based on the situation I'm in right now? So the first one really uh, in this first topic is around why we make bad decisions in the first place. And and I think we'll go through each of these. these there's just a few biases that I've sort of picked out that I see most commonly lead to bad decisions from people but it's really about how do we how do we process information because mm -hmm. there's just so much of it in 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 the modern world and is it fair to say that all these biases are subconscious 
as well. Mm. So none of them are really conscious. No, 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 no one, no one consciously no, no says, one says I'm, "I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, overweight this information, or I'm going to yeah. not take this into account." So, which makes it all the more hard. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> exactly. to, to to realize that you're actually doing it, to realize that it's a and, problem. So. And that's kind of why and this is so interesting. Um, you know, throughout my whole career is to is to see the consistency of. People want to, and that's a part of, we've talked about this, our role is sometimes just to, even if it's not necessarily a really technical financial planning thing, it's just to sometimes, being that step removed is that you can see it in a completely rational way. There's no emotion attached to these decisions. You can just say, hey, why are you doing that in that way? That that seems like it's going to take you further away. And then hmm. when you dig a bit deeper, you can see that there's some subconscious thing that's going on that, that's sort of forcing someone in a direction that they don't really need to shouldn't be going in so um so i guess like i said the first topic here is around why we make bad decisions and so the structure of each of these what i just wanted to go through is sort of list a couple of list these biases that we that we that we tend to see that that affect this area of your financial planning and then we can go in a bit more detail about why that why these things exist um when they are useful and when they're not useful and um and where they most commonly play out so the first one is uh, what's called confirmation bias. And so what this is, is, is we look for things that confirm our view of the world and we disregard things that don't fit this. Mm. So when we're talking about why we make bad decisions, this is one of the, the key ones here is that it's human nature. We filter information coming in in terms of how does that fit into our view of the world. Yeah, look, I, I can understand that. I've, um, I think everyone's been guilty of that in the past. Yeah. So you do something, and you see, yeah. even if even if one person out of a hundred yeah. uh, had had done that, yeah. you tend to not to look at that as a statistical yeah. thing. Yeah. Only one, only one yeah. percent of people yeah. do what you're doing. You yes. look at it as, oh, they've done that. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, that that that, that fits sense. within my and and this is one of those view of the world. We will probably as we go through these one of, there's there's two topics that we'll probably talk about a fair bit that you see it a lot is one is uh, with personal financial planning and, and the other one is with horse racing or gambling that you see a lot of this thing and uh, we've got a mate who if he bets on a horse he he then once he places that bet and you see this all the time everyone does this once you make a decision your mind then goes to work convincing convincing yourself and everyone around you of why that is a good decision yeah. we don't make a decision and then go hang on let me think of all the ways that i could be wrong here and and it makes sense because it's painful it hurts to actually think about okay what are all the things that can go wrong or what are the things that might make my view of the world not necessarily correct mm-hmm. or true it's easier to just conform the information as it comes in and, and go Anything that doesn't fit in with how I see the world, I'll just disregard that and I'll mm. look for things that fit in. And that's, you know, we're seeing that in, I'm not the first person to, to talk about this, but, you know, social media, for example, we, we live in, in our modern world in these sort of echo chambers where we're not, we surround ourselves with viewpoints that fit how we see the world. Mm. You know, if, if you, if you, um, if you vote a certain way politically, you'll surround yourself with other people who vote that same way so that then you're not having to be exposed to all these things that are that are uncomfortable or that you might have to think about. So, well, it's a good point with social media because because um, more than ever it allows you to filter out what you yeah. what you yeah. people that don't agree with you. That's right. And to and to um, 
I only have the feeds of 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 you know uh, people that sort of exactly right you know, see your see your you, views of the world. If you've got a Facebook account and there's you know five news stories that come up on there, mm. and four of them are people that are agreeing with you about some current current you know a thing that's just happened, and one of them is saying something that you disagree with or you don't like or that you think mm. they're wrong. It's very easy to just go. I'll just block that bit, yes. and I'll just focus on these four that agree with what I've got to say. Or you know, even if the ratio is the other way around, it's it's very easy to filter in and go. There's ten bits of information that have come in. Mm. This one bit of information agrees with how I see the world, and so that's what I'm going to focus on. So, to make it a bit more concrete here, um, you know, we see a lot where <coughs> uh, if if people own whatever asset people own they will look for reasons why that asset is is going up in the future. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's if people own all cash in the bank, they will tell you why all the other assets are going to fall in value and they're going to be able to buy in at a cheaper price. If mm. people own a lot of residential property, they'll tell you why residential property is mm. poised for a boom. If people own all shares, they'll tell you why the share market's undervalued. If people own a thousand cows, they'll tell you why those cows are going to go up in price. It's... It's just human nature that, yeah. It, it's we look around for those things because that's what we what we want to see. That's what feels not. We look for things that feel nice in that short term, and things that tell us that we're on the right track are, are the things that make us feel nice, whether they are true or not. Yeah. So so that makes sense. Um, I guess it's it's really really hard here to say what do you do about. These biases. Well, I is it fair, is it fair to say so there's, there's, that just being aware of them is, so, is, is the with first a lot of these? What the first actually, place to start? What I've actually done uh, for each of these, as a sort of listener, I've tried to think about how 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 would you go about trying to minimise the effects of that? Because mm. you can't minimise because it's subconscious. You can't minimise that happening. Mm. It's human nature. You are going to look for stories that fit your own. So. How do you then get your conscious mind to sort of hijack that and, and try and minimize the effects or, or avoid the negative effects of that? And so for confirmation bias, what I've got here is that what you really want to do then is actively go out of your way to look for information that doesn't fit your story. Mm. And, and, you know, there's um, in the example, you almost have to schedule this and, and sort of go, okay, this is going to be it's going to be a bit unpleasant, but I'm just going to think of all the ways this could go wrong. So... You know, for example, if I own if I own residential property and that's my plan to save for retirement, probably one of the most valuable things that you can do is is schedule some time and sit down and go, what would have to be what would have to be the reality for for my plan to not work? What would have to what what could go wrong here? What could not be true? What are the things that I'm assuming that are going to happen that just might not be the case? So really actively going out of your way to look for information that doesn't fit your your story is 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 a big part there and that's i think as soon as you do that there's 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 two advantages is that number one you might as soon as you pull your own story to pieces you might go oh hang on that doesn't really make sense and i need to revisit my worldview on this mm. or even if you don't necessarily even if you look at it and you go well these are all the things that might make this not not right but I do need to be aware of these other risks and, and that then allows you to then protect yourself from some of the downsides of, of that strategy or of that plan. Whereas if you're just looking for all the ways that things can go right, you, you don't ever have to think about that. You, yes. just, you can just imagine this beautiful future where nothing's ever gone wrong. So I think scheduling that time or making it 
a thing that you actively do is really sit down and go, what could I, what could make this not true? What's, what's some information that I can look for that doesn't fit my story or my view of the world? And like I say, it's, it's hard to do that, but if you, you really have to think of it as a conscious decision that you make to search that out. Um, so that's confirmation bias. So, yep. So moving along, um, what is the second bias? And and uh, obviously taking into consideration, this is we're all talking about why we make mistakes here. So yep. the second one on the list is yep. information bias. So and again, there's there's a million and one of these, but these are the, the the ones that I've sort of picked out that we see a lot. Is that uh, so basically, information bias is that we think that all information is important and that it needs to be taken into account even when it's not relevant. Hmm. So again, an easy one to an easy mistake to make in our modern world, where you, you jump on Google and there's six thousand news stories coming up every minute. So there's just a flood of information, and we think that all of that information is is relevant and should be taken into account when we make a decision, even though the reality is. The two parts are we can't take it into account and also even if we could take a lot, some of that information is, is just not relevant to the decision we're trying to make. So the good one that you've got here is the example daily slash monthly price movements in, in share prices. Yeah. So that's, um, that, that's, exactly that's one that we right. see frequently yeah, because yeah. people, we, we, we tend to see people, people that look more frequently, especially when times are volatile, but not just then. Mm. Um, what we find is that that... Um, they're guilty of information bias in yeah. a lot. They're extrapolating things. Yeah. They're, they're taking seven days worth of daily price movements and extrapolating that. Yeah, yeah. and and they they're tending to make the wrong decisions because they're mm-hmm. they're looking at information here and putting a high weighting on yes. on things that we would say are not important at all, not and also right. things that successful investors don't even look at. So yeah. they don't even bring that information in a lot of the yeah. time because they're actually not looking at that. Yeah. So this is, it's kind of the opposite to, to the first bias, which mm. is that, you know, you, you, when you're trying to make a decision, you need to take in all the relevant viewpoints and all the different perspectives, um, take in all the information and, and then make your decision from there. The second part of that is, uh, and the points I touched on, is you need to take in different, pu- view, different perspectives, different information, but making sure that it's relevant, you know. Mm. There's, there's a long history of, um, you know, people making financial decisions based on, you know, trying to trying to pick what they think the Australian um, share prices will do next month based on the weather in, in the Midwest US and, and these sorts of things and trying to draw patterns where they aren't there. And that's that's kind of what happens is that the human brain is it just makes patterns all the time. And so where, where we would talk about this is, you know, and we've touched on it a lot, is that if you're looking at, you know, our example, if you're 10 years out from retirement and you're planning for where do I want to be in 10 years' time, I actually don't care what share prices do day to day. So before I even jump on and start to think about, oh, what's, you know, what are NAB shares doing today or what's the US market doing today, it, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not relevant information and I really need to try and, um, you know, not take into account and not let that, affect me because I just need to I need to know that not all of the information that is available to me is is relevant or is important so in terms of I guess again to touch on how to minimize reward that is the first step is to separate that out and go is this relevant or non-relevant information and 
uh, once you decide something is non-relevant, the second part is then don't even let it show up. So this is where we, we're doing with this with clients where if they've got online login details to see their super balance every day, that's sometimes the most dangerous thing because if you've got those if you've got those login details and you want to log in and check your balance every day, even if you know that it's not relevant and you know that it doesn't impact your long term future and you, intellectually you'll know all these things, mm. but it's just very hard to not do that. So we've seen this before with people where they get caught in this trap of checking their balance every week and is it up and is it down, getting on that emotional roller coaster. And the best thing that they do is they lose the login details and they just don't check it and then they forget about it and they realise that it's not relevant and they move on with their life. And that's that's how you do it. Yeah, look, uh, um, absolutely. The less you look at something, the the statistically the better decisions that you'll make. Because yeah. um, you're right. You said, I mean, you, you, you make the decision, this is a good long-term investment for me. I yeah. conceptually know that the short-term fluctuations don't matter. Yeah, I know that has no bearing on the profitability of these companies that I'm invested into mm. over the next 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Um, yeah. Yet... Um, People get people get confused by that noise. Yes. They, they look at their daily price movements yep. of that noise. They yep. they pick a high watermark. Yeah, um, I used to think that not looking at it was okay to look at your balance as yep. markets were going up, yep. but not when they're going down. That's a mistake. Yes, what people do is they pick an artificial high watermark. Yeah, um, because what usually happens before a big drop is yep. that things, things grow a little bit too quickly. Yeah. Um, they drop away to a point that they never should be. Yeah. And if you if you if you just looked at that even over six monthly blocks, yeah. which is still probably too frequently in the yeah. grand scheme of things to make decisions on, but 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 you don't see that you no. tend not to see those and, and those spoke, artificial high and low watermarks. We spoke about that in in the podcast at the end of the calendar year about you know, for for a lot of our clients, if you look back over this last year, the people that looked at it the people that looked at their super balance week to week, they went on a real emotional roller coaster. It would have been a tough year to to go through and to experience that that emotional roller coaster. Whereas the people that we had a review with them in November twenty nineteen, then we had a review in May of twenty twenty, and then we had a mm. review in in November of twenty twenty. They just wasn't. They didn't have that information thrust in front of them all the time. Mm. They could kind of see that, oh, yeah, my balance dropped a little bit in the early part of the year and then it grew fairly substantially after that and, yes, I'm still on track and everything's all good. And that's kind of what we're, what we're saying here is that it, it's not to say that you should try and stick your head in the sand and it's not to say that you shouldn't know what's going on, but it's really important to separate out you know, this information that's coming in. Is it actually relevant to me? Is it important? Is it going to help me make a, a better long-term decision mm-hmm. or is it just going to cause me, uh, cause me grief and cause me pain? Um, the third one, yeah, and that so that those two, these last two really tie in together as well. Which is the third bias is the oversimplification bias, which is we try to make things more simple than they really are. So it's mm. basically the opposite of of the, of the second part. There is that again in in a in a way that when we're trying to minimise the the pain or the stress that we cause ourselves, sometimes it's easier to just latch onto a thing where we go. Uh, we try and make things more simple than what they than what they they really are, and because we don't want to we don't want to deal with them, we don't want to process all the information coming in. It's all too hard. It's easy to just latch onto some simple theory, and and the the one that I see a lot of this is with um, you know we've so the example I've got here is someone asking how much do they need to retire 
without really thinking about all the variables. So we get asked this all the time, how much money do I need to retire? And then you say to someone, well, how much do you want to spend in retirement? They go, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't. Mm. You go, well, you can't, yeah, you has can't to just come pluck first. a figure out of the air and, and go, and you'll see this where people will read a, a news article that says you need a million dollars to be retired. And they'll mm. go, okay, great, that number, and this ties in the confirmation bias thing, they'll go, that number <laughs> feels good to me, so I'll just run with that. I, I was just going to say, I was going to use that, that same figure. Um, because yeah, you've you've said before we plan for our parents' retirement. Yeah. Um, when you started work, anyone yeah. listening right now, when they started work, one million dollars was a huge sum of money. Mm. There weren't many millionaires that you knew. Yeah. Um, being a millionaire was was yeah. was certainly yeah you know, unattainable. Yeah. Over that period of time between then and when you are going to retire, so not between then and now. Yeah. When you started work, yes. if you're 50 years of age now yeah. and when you're going to retire or yeah. whether you're 55 now, when you started work, it's the same same length of time yeah. conceptually. A million dollars was a hell of a lot of money yeah. back then. Over that period of time, the cost of living has grown somewhere between two and three times yes. for most people. So, so a million dollars, if the cost of living has grown by three times, a million dollars when you retire – is really only three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars. Yeah, you divide by three, mm. so it's not that much money no. um, in real terms. So, so, so that's where I find um, practically the oversimplification bias tends to tends to, to, to lead people shooting their head. Yeah. Yep, and I've even seen that before yep. with people where um, the goal is to get from. Yeah, they've got half a million dollars now. The goal is to get to one point five or one point six million dollars by the time they yeah. retired. I've actually seen people stall out at around that million dollar mark. Yep, and and, and they and and it's and it's a subconscious thing. Yes. I think where they've they've they well, think they've, they've that's a big sum of money. Here. They've gone, I've oversimplified it. I'm now a millionaire, and and in mm-hmm. their again in their in their conscious mind they know. I've got a million dollars in super, but I know that I need $1.6 million, for example. We've sat down and worked this out. Based on the amount of income that I want to draw, I need $1.6. But it's very hard to convince your subconscious mind. There's something that happens there where they tick over a million dollars and they go, I'm a millionaire now. I've, I've made it. I've done subconsciously. They go, I've, and it's an oversimplification thing. They go, I'm now a millionaire. I don't have to worry about money. You go, and that's kind of where I say, if you're taking all those variables into account, if if it is to retire and draw fifty thousand dollars a year, then maybe a million dollars is enough. And mm. and if you then, and you know, we're not saying that a million dollars isn't enough to retire on. What we're saying is that whether a million dollars is enough or not, that's a decision that needs to be made. It's a calculation that needs to be made based on a few different variables. Mm. And it's not a very complicated calculation. And and we've gone through these numbers in various podcasts in the past. But you can't just decide a figure based on something that you read in a paper or something that feels good or something that you know is an emotional hangover from 30 years ago when all you wanted to do was mm. be a millionaire mm. and and make uh, financial decisions based on that sort of oversimplified view of the world so yeah i think the 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 way that, that we think about how to minimize or, or avoid the effect of that is is you and we've said this before. We want to make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. Uh, you know, we there's no you don't get any points for making it more complicated, mm. but you also can't simplify things beyond uh, beyond the the point where they actually give you the truth. So, 
as again, going back to the example of how much money do I need to retire? Michael, you and I can calculate that in 15 minutes with mm. a few different inputs, but it probably takes three or four different parts of that input to then spit out that number that, that's about right. And you can't just uh, pull a figure out of the air. It has to be at the end of, of a calculation that isn't overly complicated, but it can't be any any less than what that calculation needs to be. The other part of that, I think, is that with the oversimplification thing is, is just getting comfortable with the fact that there might not be a, a right or an easy answer. Again, mm. this sort of ties in that confirmation bias, but we all want there to be a magic figure. And, you know, when it's that, how much money will they need to retire? Well, some of that depends on how much money you'll spend each year in retirement. Now, if you have to get comfortable with the fact that if I don't know exactly what that amount is, I sort of have to make an estimate on what I think I'll need and then I might need to adjust that as I go along. That all sounds sort of a bit, bit painful and a bit hard. Mm. It's almost easy to just pick a figure out, even if the figure's wrong, and, and shoot towards that, where really what we're suggesting here is you, you just got to get a bit more comfortable with uh, maybe not knowing the exact black and white answer, if that's going to be an oversimplified answer. Let's wrap up. So, Good place to wrap up. Uh, first part of a four-part series of biases and yep. how they affect us. So, so this one was all about why. why it's all about why, why we make why those, we make those, those mistakes. Decisions why why, what are, why uh, these biases affect us. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.